So good to be with you guys uh, online, just excited, and just thank you, Anita, for that. I, one of the things that I know that has just come out of this sermon series is that the, those who have just been preaching on it and getting into it, just the joy and the challenge that it's brought those people, all right, and just the fact that when uh, John said to me, listen, Ryan, I want you to do faithfulness, I was like... I know that one's going to be a tough one, and it's been amazing because I've been able to dig deep and learn so much, and it's hit me hard in the heart. And it's just a reminder, guys, that don't leave the heavy lifting for the preachers. Get into that word, just like Anita said, get into it and learn from it. And and you don't even have to read um, only the word. You can read additional books to help you teach you about it and just really get into it. It'll change your life. It'll change... um, who you are as God works on your heart. All right. So in preparing for this sermon uh, and looking at the particular part of the fruit, faithfulness, I was reading about the Galatians because that's where we find this scripture, right? Galatians 5. And just learning a bit about why this book was written. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But as an anchor, what I want us to do is just define faithfulness because that'll set us up for how Paul was feeling when he was writing to the Galatians. So the definition of faithfulness or loyalty, courage, is defined uh, as to be utterly reliable and true to your word. Okay, now it's opposite, so the opposite of faithfulness, just to give you guys a little bit of a help here, uh, is an opportunist or a friend only in good times, a fair with a friend, okay, and then it's counterfeit, meaning you're pretending to be, have faithfulness is to be loving but not truthful, uh, so that you're never willing to confront or to challenge, okay? Now, just reading this makes me scared, because when I read this definition, I think of all the times that I have been unfaithful, and particularly one moment in my life uh, where there was a friend who was going through a really tough time. I had very few words to say to him, Ultimately, I didn't connect enough with him. I wasn't faithful to him when he needed that faithfulness. Uh, and ultimately, that friendship broke down. And so, guys, if you know of people who are going through tough times, remain faithful to them as friends. Even if it doesn't, you don't even have to know what to say. Just be there. Because as we're going to discover now, for those who need to go through trials and remain, have that faithfulness, remain faithful, they need people that are beside them who can be faithful as well, all right. But if we just look through the Bible and we look through uh, just trying to find examples of those who were faithful, if you look at at the Old Testament, there's the prophets, right? Now, the prophets kind of are one of the best examples of faithfulness. They were these guys who were given a word by God to go and tell the Israelites, and it's usually because the Israelites are being unfaithful, their lives weren't characterized by success. In fact, often it, was re- it went really, really bad for them. And God, in an effort to try and get His people to become faithful again, would often use visual cues to help them. And this is just one of them. I mean, talk about faithfulness. This is from this guy, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. He says, God told him to do this. Prepare and eat this food as you would barley cakes. While all the people are watching... Bake it over a fire using dried human dung as fuel, and then eat the bread. That is faithfulness. Okay, now hopefully God won't ask you to do that. I trust He won't. But more importantly, 
okay? Uh, God always rewards faithfulness. And we're going to touch on four different kinds of faithfulness that come out of the Scripture. Okay. So, we see through uh, the Bible is all these great heroes, and essentially, the Bible just gives us these stories of those who were faithful and for some who weren't. But some of the heroes that you might remember and know of in the Bible, uh, one of them was Abraham. Abraham's kind of the patriarch, the beginning of it all. Uh, and God promised him this son. And for years and decades and decades, he waited for this son to be born. He was nearly 100. His wife was like 90 years old. Now that is faithless. you got guys like King David, right? He knew he was going to be king from the beginning, but he, he put himself under the current king who continually tried to murder him all the time, just really bad. Then you got guys like Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was the guy with the Technicolor dream coat, all right, um, but got sold as a slave and spent a couple of decades in prison before, uh, before he became second in command of the most enormous uh, nation on earth. Uh, then you got a guy like Moses, uh, who wandered through the desert, all right, for 40 years uh, before he, anything really happened, like r- before they got to see the promised land, all right. Now, there's one important fact in the lives of those who remained faithful, and that's they all went through exceedingly tough times, and not just tough times, Long, tough times, okay, but they remained faithful, faithful, steadfast with courage, but they all also had their flaws and their wobbles, okay? Abraham gave his wife away to another king. Uh, David had his best friend murdered because he had slept with this guy's wife. I mean, that's, pretty, that's a pretty bad wobble. Uh, Joseph was exceptionally prideful, and it was one of the reasons why his family were like, we've had enough of this guy, he thinks he's too big for his shoes, and they gave him away to slave traders. And then you've got uh, Moses, who had a t- he just didn't always rely on God and had a terrible kind of uh, temper on him, uh, which wasn't great either. So they all had their wobbles, and I, but eventually they pulled through, right? Their faithfulness in God got them to the end. God got them there. They, they were able to get to the promised land and get to the position that God had waiting for them. And I also just, when I was thinking about this, I was wondering how many people didn't push through? How many didn't have the stamina who didn't make the Bible? And we know that happened because the Israelites were always unfaithful, right? But God wasn't unfaithful. As Anita said, God was always faithful. So while we are just going through some of this, uh, this sermon here, this work, I want you to think about this one question, which is, how are you handling your current tough scenario? We're always going through something, right? How are you handling that, and how are you being faithful in that season? And we're going to get to that a little bit in the, in the next few minutes. I've been rereading um, an amazing, amazing book. I would highly recommend it. I reread it because it's just really touched me the first time. Uh, and it's essentially around how faithfulness to hospitality can bring people to Jesus. But it also includes this, the author's conversion story. And the reason why I really love this story is because I feel like it, it, there's a part of our church which is so like this story. And I'm going to get to it now. We, we've got some real faithfulness in this church, some really good stuff. Uh, and I, I just, it's beautiful. But the, the author of this book, her name is Rosa Butterfield, and 
She was a professor at this really big American university called Syracuse. Uh, she was someone who struggled with her sexual identity, but she wrote articles in an angry way against kind of the American Christianity. Uh, she often received a lot of fan mail because people liked the articles that she wrote. Anyway, the one day she got this letter in her inbox. She picked it up and it was from this pastor. And he wasn't angry. He just asked her a bunch of questions about God. And she thought, well, maybe I should engage this guy. Okay, so he invited her for dinner with his wife and they sat around uh, and had a, a wonderful vegetarian meal because they probably knew that, that she wanted to eat vegetarian, which is correct. Uh, and they prayed for her, uh, and they simply got to know each other. And that over a couple of months, they became genuine, genuine friends. Um, they would check up on her if she uh, hadn't uh, just spoken to them in a while, or if she had missed uh, an invitation, they'd give her a call. And although she continued to write articles against Christian values, they just kept loving her faithfully, and she kept asking questions. They never preached the gospel at her, but they were always honest with the questions that she asked. And eventually she started attending church, and she says this about the church. What strikes me looking back is what this church had been doing, praying for me faithfully, faithfully through the months and years. And Ken, the pastor, was sharing with this church our friendship and our relationship, and the members were genuinely on their knees praying for me. The also the wonderful thing about this church was that they never had pithy little sayings for her as she started to turn her life and come into the church. They would say stuff like, uh, Rosa, count the costs. This is going to be brutal. This is going to be bloody as she started to change her life and come into Christianity. They were truthful, but they were loving. And when she said, I need help, they said, Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get, we're going to get involved. We're going to help you. We're going to be part of this journey with you. They were faithful to her, and they were faithful to the message. Now, I love the faithfulness of this story, and it shows two main things. The one is that Jesus calls us to love God, but he also calls us to love people faithfully. Now, when it comes to God, his views on faithfulness are uncompromising. There is no black and white with God when it comes to faithfulness, but He is really gracious. That's the beautiful news about Jesus, right? Uncompromising, but gracious, gracious because Jesus covers that for us. We see, uh, like anything, faithfulness is like a muscle. All right? The more we push into it, the stronger you get. And God also knows that if you genuinely want to be used by Him, like the heroes of the Bible and the heroes we know are in this church, he will gently and sometimes forcefully get you to stretch and test your faithfulness muscles. I love what James has to say about this. He says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Um, one of my heroes who has done this over so many years, uh, you know, I know <laughs> when you're up here, you want to, but it's actually, it's my wife. 
All right, my wife is, what you don't know is that about 15 years ago, we went on this crazy student, debaucherous Mozambican trip, uh, and we were in the middle of nowhere. I ended up coming back with cerebral malaria, and she came back with this horrendous stomach bacteria. We don't even know what it was, okay? It really messed up her system. To this day, she has struggled with uh, extreme, uh, uh, she's allergic to so many different things, um, and it's really, her system has really battled with this in so many different ways. Uh, and in, in private, there's a lot of crying. We've gone through a lot of testing to try and figure out what's wrong. But she's remained faithful throughout this journey, and God has done something beautiful in her life as it's matured her faith and brought her even closer to Him, and it's getting better. Uh, God is answering prayers, and she's coming through that. But it's been a long journey, and she has been a hero in the way that she's remained steadfast with her eyes to Jesus, and she's battled through this. And I know some of you have had stories like that. So that was the first one. The first one was faithfulness through trials. Faithfulness through trials. Okay. The second one is faithfulness as stewards. See, uh, but faithfulness is not only how we navigate our tough scenarios and stay the course, but it's also how we are faithful with what we've been given. Okay. If you think about the disciples who were with Jesus, they saw miracles that most of us can never even imagine. Yet when Paul was nearing the end of his life and work on earth, this is, what he had, this is what he was concerned with. He was concerned with faithfulness. He says this, You've seen how I've lived, Paul says, and you know that my only concern is to finish the task that Jesus gave me. He, was, he wanted to be faithful with what he had been given. Paul would say elsewhere, What is required of stewards is that they be found faithful. Now a steward is just a servant. That is what a steward is. They are a servant of what the master has given them, and they need to look after it well. He doesn't run the household. The master does. His only responsibility is to do what he is told. And so if the master tells him to invest money in something in a tanks, it's not the steward's fault. Right? He doesn't take the blame. On the other hand, if the master gives the steward an order, and which leads to great success, the steward doesn't get the credit. Right? The master does. God does. Success and failure are master words, Faithfulness is the concern of us, the stewards, the servants. What God requires of you is not success, but faithfulness in what He has assigned you to. I mean, you've got to think about Moses, okay? Moses walking through that desert for 40 years, didn't even get to enter the promised land. The success, he didn't get to see the success, but his faithfulness brought about success. So ask yourself, what has Jesus called you to? You aren't responsible to save the world, but you are responsible to follow Christ in your situation. For a servant, success in life is identifying what God has called you to and being completely faithful to that. Now, this is ridiculously hard for me because I'm a doer and I'm, a, you know, I'm like that sales guy. Like I get the thrill when I, when I win. Okay? I'm competitive. Okay? Um, but this is Jesus' upside-down kingdom, right? This is where the world is saying we need to be successful. It's about who you are and what you do. Jesus is saying that success has nothing to do with who I am and what I am in this world, but just how faithful I was to Jesus. 
how do we even process that? Because I battle with that, honestly. It's some of the, as I said, this has done some heart surgery on me, this, this particular sermon. Okay. But the thing is that kind of goes through my mind when I, when I think about this and just being faithful is that I know for a fact that when I get to heaven and Jesus is walking me around and showing me different stuff and I'm really enjoying it, I know those who are being most honored is going to be that gogo who looked after those dozen children for 20 years with, on her own salary with no one even knowing about it. It's going to be those faithful neighbors who love the people around them, right? You love your neighbors. You brought them in and you love them unconditionally, no matter how you treated them, okay? It's going to be those kind of people who are honored the most, those who are faithful. And God can do more with one act of faithfulness than I could ever achieve in 10,000 lifetimes on my own, using my own strength. The irony, the irony about faithfulness and what is where you are, where you've been placed, where God has placed you right now, is that most of the opportunities for faithfulness are already right in front of you. If you're in high school, if you're a kid there, faithfulness might mean staying committed to purity, or even when you feel it isn't making a difference or you're getting mocked. If you're in university, it might mean continuing to love people and love God after you've mocked and humiliated in front of your peers. If you're at work, it, it might mean choosing integrity where other, everyone's cutting corners or using your career for the sake of God's mission instead of your own bottom line. And if you're a parent, it might mean obedience to Christ in the most mundane aspects of everyday life, remaining consistent, remaining faithful with your children because let's be honest, our kids are always watching and they recognize faithfulness and consistency. Ultimately, nothing you have is yours anyway. Even your breath is given moment by moment, and God is calling us to be good stewards with, with what we have been given, even every single breath that we have. Faithfulness is what he's called us to. Um, one of the, one of the um, teams that's part of Cherished is, just typifies this in an absolutely amazing way. About eight years ago, they went onto the streets to talk to, to women who were working on the street corners, and for five years, nothing happened in terms of the change in those lives of the girls. And every time we thought to ourselves, and that team thought to themselves, we should give up. Let's just stop this. God would say, remain faithful. Be here. Go out again. Go out again. And then we would go out, and sometimes they'd have rocks thrown at them. <laughs> sometimes passes by. Honestly, and vehicles would come past and throw eggs and rotten vegetables. I'm not even kidding. That would happen. And every time they'd gather again, they'd say, oh, we haven't seen any fruit. And God would say, remain faithful. And I can tell you that just over the last couple of years, the number of people who have been touched and brought off the streets, lives changed. Women on the street have been for 20 years coming out of that and being completely renewed. God is rewarding that faithfulness and changing people's lives. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. It's important. So that was the, so that was the second one. The first one, I remember, was faithfulness through trials. The, sec the second one was faithfulness as a steward. The third one is faithfulness to the gospel. So now we go back to the Galatians and to why this book was written. This is one of the rare books where you can feel Paul's righteous anger. Now, most of the books that Paul writes, he starts by saying, hey guys, this is who I am. I just want to thank you for who you are. You guys are so good. I thank Jesus for all that you've done and well done, blah, blah, blah. Not this one. Not this one. He starts off by saying, 
hey, this is me, and I have the authority to speak to you. And then he says this, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. This is the second paragraph. He does, this is like the email that he did not wait until the morning to send. He just typed this one out and pushed go without having thought about it. He goes, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. You call, who called you? He called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. See, why is he so tough on them? Because they were not being faithful to the gospel. You see, the Galatians hadn't completely turned away from God and indulged in sin, like some of the other books you might read in the New Testament from Paul, like the Corinthians. They just kind of lost it. Right? They'd be doing some crazy stuff. Now, the Galatians had done something even worse. They had taken the gospel and subtly twisted it, taking away the true power of the gospel. Now, we live in a time where the world is moving to take away the power of the message that we're telling, right? The true message of what Jesus calls us to, which is to, and we need to remain faithful to that message. Then what is this message that got, that got so enraged in terms of it's being twisted? And that is this, that there is nothing we can do, no human effort, no amount of social justice, no identifying with a certain group, no affiliation with a political party, no goodness that we can perform which can make us right with God. The only saving action we have is faithfulness to the belief that we are rescued by Jesus having died for our sins. That's it. That is the message. And they had twisted that where they were trying to rely on the law and being good in order to get themselves saved. Now, the world will tell us that our value and goodness comes from what this kind of what we do, okay, and some of the causes that we believe in. But the gospel tells us that it's Jesus plus nothing, Jesus plus nothing, which equals rescue, which equals everything. I myself genuinely also, when you talk about struggles, I genuinely struggle with this. I love it when I'm just killing it, right? Work is going well, I, I, you know, my wife and I are just doing so well together, the kids are behaving themselves for at least five minutes, um, I'm, in my, I'm in my Bible, and man, life is so good, and then when stuff just doesn't go right, when I don't succeed at my job, when I don't do well in my personal life, whatever, I mean, I, I crash, and I feel like, you know, I think John calls it the, the comet Christian, right? Here's Jesus, and you're over here because you do something bad, and you, you feel like you're doing something good, and you feel close to him, and then you do, no, we actually need to orbit him properly, all right? And so I, you know, this is, as I said, it's doing hard surgery on me, bringing me back to the truth, back to the truth, okay. So, I know that we've spoken about faithfulness uh, through the tough times, faithfulness uh, with what we've been given, the steward stuff, faithfulness to the gospel, but there is one more faithfulness which is the most important. And I know this is a little heady, it's a little bit theological, we need to touch on it as well a little bit, but it's really important that we get into this because it's one of the most important things. And it is our response to the faithfulness of God, our response to the faithfulness of God. Now remember that guy Ezekiel, the guy who cooked his uh, food over a human turd? Uh, yeah, that guy, the really faithful one. This is what he says uh, to us that God told him to say to the people of Israel. He said this, 
I'm not doing this for you, Israel. I'm doing it for me. This is God speaking. I'm not doing it for you, Israel. I'm doing it for me. To save my character, to save God's character, my holy name, which you've blackened in every country. Okay. I'm going to put my great and holy name on display. Then the nations will realize who I really am, that I am God. And I will pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. And I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. You see God's glory The honor of his name is at stake in all that he does. So God is always faithful, first of all, to himself. He has to be faithful to himself. Paul tells us in another one of his books that the reason God remains faithful, even if we are faithless, is that he cannot deny himself. He knows he is God. He has to be faithful to himself. For God to be unfaithful, even in the face of our many sins, is completely impossible. This is the reason for our hope, because we have a faith for God, the hope of every blessing we could ever know. And from this hope comes every display of God's glory and greatness and grace. On this, we can depend completely for Him to fulfill every single promise He ever made. It is the foundation of the gospel and the root of the rescue one for everyone who has sinned in in Jesus Christ. So why is it such good news for us when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit? Because when we are given the Spirit, when we believe in the gospel, God ensures we will remain faithful to the end because His Spirit is in us. That faithful Spirit is in us, and He cannot be unfaithful to Himself. So we have this well of faithfulness in us which will enable us to have that endurance, to have that courage, to have the steadfastness, to keep us going so that we too can look towards those heroes of the Bible and say, I was faithful just like they were. So here's just a couple of handles before we, before we close this thing, just to, just to give you a little bit of a, <clears throat> a way forward in this. The first thing is, in order for you to be faithful, surround yourself with faithful people. It's really important. If you're going to walk this journey and there's tough times for everyone, make sure that you're part of a community that helps you to take those hard steps forward. That may mean coming together and joining a community group, even if it's on Zoom. Super, super important. Okay, get involved with those people so that they can help you walk that journey. And I promise you, in this church, as I mentioned, they will roll up their sleeves and they're going to give you a hand. So be a part of those communities. The other one is, as Anita said, dig deep into the Word, right? The Word is there. The more you connect with God and Jesus, the easier it is to be faithful, okay? The other one is read good books. I can't tell you that enough. Read good books. Go and pick up a good book. If you're reading, one of the ways that I picked up a lot of the stuff was, you know, we were talking about, I went and picked up a, picked up a book by, uh, on Galatians. I just read through it, and the stuff just that people have been meditating on comes through on those pages, and you get to benefit from their meditation, from the way that the Spirit has spoken through them, and you can learn from them as well. So read great books, and then stay true to the course, guys. 
stay true. I know it's hard. There are wobbles and there are sins, but we have a gracious Jesus who died for everything, and He will keep you faithful to the end. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.